0: Hey guys, Jeff here from besttechie.com, and this is Techie Bytes episode 43. Today I'm speaking with Callie Schweitzer, founder at The Callie Co., a creative strategy and consulting firm that helps businesses and individuals increase reach, relevance, and revenue. She previously worked as chief content officer at Thrive Global alongside Ariana Huffington. We discuss the future of media, including what Callie calls conveners, how town squares will play an important role in the media landscape, and why engagement trumps everything. Enjoy. This podcast is supported by Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your own professional website, choose a template you love or start from scratch, drag and drop to customize anything, and use advanced design features like video backgrounds and image galleries. You can even add professional business solutions like an online store, booking system, or blog. I've personally tested and reviewed Wix on Best Techie and can say without a doubt that Wix is extremely easy to use and a great choice for both novice and advanced users. So go ahead, try it yourself. Go to Wix.com and create your own website today. That's Wix, W-I-X dot I'm here with Callie Schweitzer. The, well, you've done a lot of things. You've been at a lot of companies and now you're doing your own consulting business but let me just kind of lift, list off a couple of places you worked you worked at talking points memo vox time thrive global with Ariane huffington as chief content officer now you're running your own consulting business i'm really excited to have you on i i i as i mentioned when you walked in the door of the anchor studios like i've been following you online and i realized how weird that kind of sounded after i said it um, for a long time, but I feel like we really know each other. So welcome. Thanks for being on, on this episode.
1: Thanks for having me. And that doesn't sound weird at all. <laughs> I feel like I know you as well.
0: Cool. So so what are you doing right now uh, with uh, with your company? I, you know, I just learned you renamed it to the Calico? Yes. Okay. You got to, got to fill us in a little bit of what you're doing with that. Yeah.
1: So I started my company because I realized that I couldn't sit on the sidelines anymore in terms of using my influence and my platform to scale what I believed in. So my business is focused around what I call the three R's of branding, reach, relevance, and revenue. How do you find the biggest audience, be at the center of the conversation, and make money while you're doing it. Right. That's right? the all-important. Exactly. Yeah. And so I really work with two, two sides of the of a, a business. One is brands that believe in quality. I feel very firmly that um, – we need more quality out there, not just more yep, noise. Yep. And so, how can I help contribute to that? And then I work with individuals. So I work with CEOs and CMOS and people where where what I like to say is my cr- criteria is people whose messages I believe need to be heard. Okay. So a lot of it is breaking through the noise, uh, but it, it's a lot around uh, this idea of how do we have meaningful conversations again.
0: Gotcha. So so one of the things that that. That stood out to me was this was this uh, this article or the set of predictions you wrote for Neiman Lab uh, this year, 2019, in terms of what what we can expect to see in the media space. And one of the and 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 the big kind of takeaway I got from it is you have this thing called conveners. Yes. Um. What exactly what what exactly is that? What is a convener?
1: So my belief is that influencers are people who put sponsored content for Ready Whip in your Instagram ad, and they're over. People Mm -hmm. are inundated with them and nobody wants that anymore. Conveners are people who bring you into conversation with other people. And I think we're at a moment in time where we're so, everything is so polarized. People are so uh, inundated with information and breaking news alerts about things that aren't necessarily even news. right?
0: Or you get multiple of the same one. Precisely, (laughs)
1: precisely from every single outlet. And, I think people are really desperate to be having conversations. And so I see a convener as someone who's not necessarily a journalist, not necessarily someone who has a background in anything related to reporting, news, et cetera, and is really just someone who is out there saying what they believe and someone who people want to follow. And I think this idea that that conveners listen to their audience and respond and that that The audience really has a voice is something that is different than how a lot of media companies operate, which is a little bit more voice of God. Mm -hmm. Kind of we speak to our audience or we speak at our audience, not necessarily in conversation with.
0: Right. Like you read a New York Times article, it's very – or a Washington Post article, it's very at you. It's not not necessarily – like a conversation with you, and I, I personally have always been one to really like to enjoy writing in a more conversational tone. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like I could do that kind of objective, like you know, reporting style writing. But but I but I I, I just and frankly I don't think it's like you're saying it's just not that engaging.
1: Well, I would say. The New York Times and Washington Post are two two of my favorite news outlets. I think they will always exist. And I pay for them both, and I I believe in them.
0: And their numbers agree with you. The the Times just came out with their earnings – the best best they've ever seen digital has surpassed print in terms of revenue and stuff like that which is all really great to see
1: yeah they're incredibly important and i think that that level of objective journalism will always be important but i think what we're seeing rise up on the sides Mm -hmm. is these more intimate conversations where people can really dive into issues that they care about
0: Mm -hmm. so with i don't want to get into politics here but without getting into the politics of it I feel like the the, the right ha, has really been utilizing this method of conveners or you know talking heads people uh, who who have kind of taken advantage of your approach um, and have had a lot of success with it. Rush Limbaugh maybe would a good example. Sean, I mean, they've developed huge followings, not necessarily being reporters or you know, but kind of. A, opinion based people who just are sharing uh, opinions that are popular with other people. And they're kind of, and they're opening up the di- the dialogue and allowing people to talk about it.
1: Absolutely. They were first to this trend, yeah. really. I mean, they invented it. They invented this kind of conversation to an audience that felt very unheard and mm-hmm. very unseen. So that's absolutely right. Uh, I think what gave rise to a larger visibility of this issue is over the last year, things like Pod Save America, where these these sort of movements or these conversations really became much more mainstream. Um, and people, oftentimes liberals who weren't included in the conversation that Sean Hannity was having were felt that they were part of something they hadn't been part of before. Mm-hmm. So no question that the right started this. I think it's that now it has really exploded.
0: Yeah. I I'd agree. I mean. Just, I mean, if you look, two guys who uh, were in the, in the Obama White House come out, decide to do something completely different than the norm of what people usually do after they leave a White House or an administration, which is going to lobbying or some kind of, you know, public interest type thing. They started this podcast to kind of just, you know, preach all the things that they believe. And people have obviously signed on because it's one of the biggest podcasts around. And they've built it into uh, HBO specials and things like that.
1: Right, and I think that... Um podcasts especially i would say podcasts and newsletters i think are the two forums where i really see the most convening happening Mm -hmm. uh the most two-way dialogue and i mean if you listen to any podcast with a bit of a voice you feel like you have a best friend in your ear you really feel like you know those people those people have become celebrities whether they're pod save america hosts or whether they're the hosts of a smaller podcast about beauty or mental health Mm -hmm. and so i think that that those two forums in particular have really lent themselves well to this kind of interactive conversation that people wanna be having.
0: Right. I I I've been saying this for so many years now at this point. The best way to build and 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 monetize an audience is to have a hub that you actually control. Right. I never fully understood the move that a lot of companies made towards Building on other people's platforms, you should be on. I'm not saying don't be on those platforms, but don't build a business necessarily on top of those platforms. Because as we saw with uh, Mike recently, when that when that Facebook deal fell through, that was it. They were they were done for because that they were relying on it in order to in order to continue their operate, be able to operate their business
1: yeah absolutely. and I think what we're seeing in media right now is the fallout of all of that, yeah and yet, having been in the trenches during that time, I will say th- it was uh it was very difficult to walk away from opportunities like that and to see. Potential audiences and to be the one brand that didn't do it, right? right? It's a little bit of the fear of missing out. Yeah. Uh, there, w- it, How did we know this wasn't going to be the next big revenue source? How right. did we know? Right. I, I think some of the things that are happening now, um, specifically around monetization. It was a gamble back in the day. if you didn't do it, you could have been missing out on something that was the future of your business and in many cases it was the future of your business, but it also happened to simultaneously collide with <laughs> the future of the demise of your business right right
0: uh, the uh the demise part maybe wasn't as clear at the time, but it also is interesting because like if it wasn't if it if uh if if you were afraid of missing out, then really what happens is you ultimately you know, you, you make that jump because you're because you are afraid that if you don't do this particular thing, right. what's going to happen is you won't be around anyway. Right. Now, what I want to ask you um, is, is is how should these traditional kind of institutions like The New York Times or The Washington Post or just any even even any new media company who has built out kind of a newsroom um how how should they stay in their lane in terms of you know what they tell what they ask their employees their journalists to do online or or should they be pushing them in a direction where you know they they really they they where they want them to become conveners
1: I think that some of them already are conveners. And I would look at an example like Mikey Barbaro, mm-hmm. uh, who's the host of The Daily, The New York Times' wildly successful podcast. He is not inserting his opinion or his voice in any way other than he is in people's lives every single day. He is a routine for them. They wake up, they put in their earbuds, and they're listening to Mikey's voice. Right. And I think that there is a really... Um, I think there is a really important aspect of how he has become a ritual for people, and it's not about his opinion. Mm -hmm. He is interviewing journalists as a journalist and telling stories as a journalist. And so I think about people like him where it, conveners don't have to be people with big opinions or or who are declaring things on Twitter as right and wrong. Uh, I think that there is immense power, and I would say the New York Times, the Washington Post, they they have people like this. They're growing people like this. There is absolutely still a need for the straight reporting. No question. I do hope you, that never you, goes do you, away.
0: Do you, uh, do you think that they should potentially expand though into 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 you know bringing on people who can? Um, convene, but also also are more opinion-oriented? Or, or is that just off-brand for them? Or?
1: I don't think it's necessarily off-brand. I think they've actually been doing it for years. We just haven't looked closely at it. So mm-hmm. I would look at someone like Jenna Wortham, who's been at The Times for years and has moved between the paper and the magazine. Now she has a really successful podcast. I think that there is... I think a lot of it is happening. It just isn't necessarily what we're seeing on the front page.
0: Right. No, that makes sense. I, I, I hear you. I think, and I, I mean, you, we, I mean, we forget, or I, at least I forget, like they have the opinion section of the entire paper where you can repeat where they have people, opinion columnists who right. are writing, um, sometimes controversial, mm-hmm. usually actually controversial kind of, uh, ideas and re- relating to something that's recently happened in the news. Um, you know, you look at Kara Swisher, she just started mm-hmm. writing for them. Writing about how about technology and whether and, and, and how the influence it has on on on, on the country and the world. Um and, and sometimes, you know, that's not you know, it may not always be what's best. You know, if you know, just because Elon Musk says it so doesn't necessarily mean it, it is so. Um Oops. that that was me dropping a pair of headphones. Um but but really what I I I I, I worry about like how ha this move this sh- uh these companies um that that if they don't if if they continue to kind of slog away like for example i my concern was f- uh buzzfeed recently laid off around 250 people or so mm-hmm. a lot of them in in the newsroom uh you know for buzzfeed news and things like that and my whole thing is that i think that these new media companies they have something really special um they still have something really special they had and currently do but what they ended up doing was when they raised all this money they built out all of these very old school traditional media things like um like 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 uh and i'm not saying they shouldn't have investigative reporting at buzzfeed but i i i think that they kind of forgot their roots almost and ha- and, and 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 kind of just emulated you know, what's, what's going on at, at more, uh, established institutions. Um, I was just, what are your thoughts on that, if any?
1: I think they would probably say, no, we did it completely <laughs> differently. Um, having not been in house at a place like Buzzfeed or something like that, I, I, I don't really know how they operated in that sense. Um, but I think that you're absolutely right. There's been a way of doing things for years and a way yeah. of operating. And in, in a lot of ways, we knew that that way worked.
0: Right, we knew it worked, but we but, but but did it does it work to the extent that a company that raises millions and millions and millions of dollars needs it to work right in order to be sustainable right
1: It's a great question. I think one of the things that we forget and and you wrote about this in your recent piece is that when companies take on venture capital, the pressure to grow becomes immense, and that hockey stick growth kind of thing there's not always room for that much experimentation or right. there's some side experimentation. But oftentimes it is about what do we know that we can scale immediately? Because those are the numbers that investors are looking for.
0: Mm-hmm. Ha- and and, and, and I, I agree. I mean, I, I think, you know, you 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 kind of get yourself into that pickle of a situation whenever you do that. Uh, and I, I just I just wonder what, you know. Should we be looking at these 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 new media companies as multi billion dollar companies, or you know, because you could, you don't have to be a multi billion dollar company to be a a healthy, successful business? Absolutely. And and I I I I, I feel like the 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 principles that have, that have been applied here from the venture side, where it was okay, we're gonna do what we did in tech to media, I, it just it doesn't line up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's where the issue kind of uh, you know those issues kind of came from uh it's just the you can't you know what we ended up seeing was all these companies trying to monetize as many eyeballs mm-hmm. as possible and eke out as much revenue as they could from each of those eyeballs instead of kind of focusing more so on the engagement factor mm-hmm. and 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 I think that's where the ultimate kind of uh that in video we talked about that before we mm-hmm. started recording kind of where the downfall uh occurred where you know not investing enough in Figuring out engagement, what what do people actually really like mm-hmm. reading about? What are they What are they un, What are they What do they come back for? Mm-hmm. Uh, and more so, yeah, we're gonna make as much money as we can every time someone comes and lands on our page or opens our app.
1: Yeah, and yet hindsight is twenty twenty, right? <laughs> right. At, the, at the time, these were all the right moves. These yeah. were all the moves that people didn't want to miss out on, and they were where the industry was and what the advertising agencies were asking for. And I mm-hmm. think that that's another really important thing is that oftentimes, um, I'm sure you and your audience has heard of built if sold, but oftentimes there are ideas that are created when an advertiser signs on. So yeah, it's not necessarily true. going to be happening otherwise. And I think that those are our unique challenges. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about something else that you, that you, that you wrote about in your, uh, in your piece to, to Neiman. Um, the idea of town squares. Mm-hmm. Which is which is fascinating to me because I feel like there are a lot of different places online that that could you know kind of foster this idea. Uh, one of the, some of the places you mentioned were uh, Patr- uh, Patreon, VSCO, LinkedIn. How they've developed communities within their community, uh, you know, or or provided people who have communities in the uh, in the case of uh, Patreon uh, to, to to build out uh, a business, subscription based business based on their content, based on their creativity, based on things that they're doing, right. that people enjoy. Um, talk to us a little bit about how you can envision these town halls playing a part in the future of media.
1: Yeah, so the town squares have become incredibly important. Town squares, imp- I'm sorry. Yes. Impor- uh, <laughs> they can be town halls and squares. Uh, the town squares have become incredibly important because they are the, they are the entire monetization engine of – the convener right right in so many instances this is the first time that the convener has been able to say support my work here uh so i think we're just going to keep seeing more and more sprout up i'm very very bullish on that
0: i I, i'd agree with you i mean i've you know not everyone's going to get a contract with fox news to be sean hannity or a radio deal to be rush limbaugh or whatever the case may be um or, on the left, maybe on MSNBC, you know that just doesn't it doesn't happen to everyone it happens to one or two people maybe yeah and 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 but as we've learned through you know thanks to the internet, everyone um can share their own kind of voice and thoughts on on a particular matter, which sometimes is you know for the most part it's good uh, there are some times where you know you run into issues with that, uh, but at the same time. You know, it really these types of uh, town squares really open up uh, the 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 ability to to create a, a real audience and a real business based on people who are interested in what you have to say. Yeah, it, it just the number of people that are going to be that are able to do this just increases exponentially.
1: Absolutely, and the production cost is very low. Very low. Yes. Right. So it used to be. I mean. Uh, it used to be get a job at a newspaper or get a job at a broadcast tv network and now it can be start something in your home and right. make money.
0: Yeah. Which which is which is great. Right. I mean that's that's what right. I've done. Right. <laughs> and
1: and look, this is true of Etsy, this is true of so many other right. businesses, but in terms of in media, I think we're just going to continue to see more of these monetization opportunities. Do
0: you, do you think that this is a, an opportunity that Twitter should be looking at closely.
1: So it's an interesting question. Twitter has been calling itself a town square for probably over ten years, right? So since Dick Costolo was the CEO there, it has been a town square, and I think for some people it is a town square. Uh, Donald Trump, it's definitely his town square, <laughs> and so I think I I can't speak to what's happening inside the company, and so I don't really know how it would be incorporated in their product map, um, but. It's certainly an interesting idea, and I think that the reality is because it isn't everyone's town square. All of these other town squares have popped up.
0: Right, right. I, I just feel like there's a huge opportunity here for them, and this is my personal opinion mm-hmm. <laughs> that they're leaving a lot of thi- They're leaving a huge chunk of, of of money on the table here because I feel like there are so many people, especially you know, everyone calls media Twitter. Yep, um, and, and just the huge. Um, obviously, people are on it to. To get you know need news or or opinions or to conversate with people about different uh, topics and ideas, and I just feel like they could really build a product you know within Twitter that really helped um, kind of convene and like gather and like you know bring all the people that uh, that that are that kind of have these uh, that are looking to do this you know to to share their thoughts and stuff. Um, on, a, on a wider scale, but also like monetize it mm-hmm. because you already have your followers and you know you just build some other tools to make it easier to get your content out there, to get it in front of the, the people that, 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 that like it as opposed to, uh, you know, autom- automatically as opposed to having them to actually be looking at Twitter. And when you send out a tweet, mm-hmm. maybe I think that's like a big mm-hmm. um, opportunity for them, but, you know, we'll see what they do. I mean, Jack just talked to Kara Swisher, right? Right, right. That was kind of a a nightmare.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think one of the underlying concerns people have always had around reporters and journalists on Twitter is – this giving content away for free, right? So uh, news organizations have had to adapt to the fact that their reporters are immediately turning to Twitter to write their breaking analysis as opposed to writing a story about it. They are doing both, but Twitter's getting the first goods. Right. And so thinking through, yeah, was there a monetization opportunity there? Who knows? But I think that there has always been a concern around, Twitter as the place where reporters do their job, right. In public,
0: right? No, that makes sense. I mean, and if there was a monetization aspect of it, would a reporter always go to Twitter first before publishing? If yeah. if the money was was better, maybe mm-hmm. they would.
1: But how would that work with the media <laughs> right, companies? Right, exactly. Right?
0: That would that would leave some unhappy uh, media companies. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I want to I want to change gears slightly. I want to talk about how. One of the things that I've been a, a proponent of is this, this, this idea of uh, niche-like content companies um, that focus on, you know, one or two, maybe three topics uh, in, in total. But really, they're all intertwined, ideally. And, and I, I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, on, on how – what are the downsides to, be, to being very kind of niche-focused, for a media company.
1: Well, one of the challenges we have is that we no longer have a shared reality. <laughs> right. So yes. this has come up in, I mean, in a world where we had three broadcast networks, everyone was consuming the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think for years, people have been talking about the web as the daily me, right? And and that's a pretty old school way of describing it. but. I can choose to live in my own world and only consume my world. And <laughs> I think at the end of the day, the question is, how open and willing are people to exposing themselves to other ideas? And so I think we have this echo chamber challenge. We have this no longer having a shared reality challenge. And I think that's one of the larger uh, issues in the country right now is this question around truth and fake news and facts and uh, so
0: ha- weird. It's a weird thing to think about that that, that facts are in dispute.
1: It is devastating.
0: Really, I, I I wake up every morning and I'm like, how could how 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 could some people just not? Lo- how could you believe the earth is flat? For example, like I mean, there are things like that, like where the science just. Is so strong that I, I I don't I just you know like when you're when people are when 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 they're thinking and they're talking about these ideas and like what, whatever the case may be, um, it just it's very difficult to sometimes have a conversation when someone is so in belief of what you know what they what they believe even if the facts aren't are are, 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 are not, do not support that but they still won't you know kind of budge on it. I like to think I'm very pragmatic, and I'm sure I, I know mm-hmm. you are too. I be, and I'm sure you believe that you are, um, in the approach. If I'm wrong, I'll, I'll and I and then someone comes to me with a with explana- an explanation of why I'm wrong, and here are the facts that that prove that you're wrong. I'll 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 acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes I get you know get a bruised ego or whatnot, but like that. Is still, you know, you can't, dis- you shouldn't be in dispute.
1: Right. I think one of the biggest challenges is that we're talking at each other. So we're not right. actually listening, right? right? Because we're so obsessed with being right that we're just continuing our own beliefs. And so one of the things I think a lot about actually, uh, James Clear, who's the author of a book called Atomic Habits, which is a New York Times bestseller, just came out, I think, in January. Fantastic book. I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, he wrote a piece, uh, I think, late. 2018 about why we believe why we why we won't change our opinions and why we believe fake things and uh, um, a lot of it is about this idea of social capital so it is that is community mm-hmm. in a lot of ways and even if you know it's not right it's right socially right. and so with your community whoever it is it's something that you adopt and stick to
0: so how so how should a media company approach this? Like a, a new media company who who wants to you know bring on some con, uh, some conveners or just an individual who wants to start something should, should should they be open should they be opening the door to trying to allow these alternative ideas into you know not even if they're not fact-based into the into their community or or how, how do you, how, how do we at some point, we all have to get on the same page on mm-hmm. certain things, right? So yeah. like, ha- how do we make that happen, especially in such a divided kind of media landscape?
1: Mm-hmm. I do not believe in the continuation of spreading fake news. So I think that there, there is uh, a real question mark around devoting uh-huh. time to understanding something that is wrong because as we know uh, so many people just read headlines or so many people skim articles or just see a tweet and so there's so much uh, opportunity for lost context and for people to think that's really a huge issue actually, misunderstand yeah. Yeah. and and absolutely, I think that's an absolutely huge issue. I think that the headline reading culture or the just pulling out a tweet, um, anything without context can be um, offensive or wrong or or mean or anything. And so I think we have lost a lot of that. And the question is, can we get it back?
0: Yeah. Well, do you, In your opinion, what do you think? Can we get it back?
1: I'm an optimist, so I, I, I want to say yes. I don't know what the future looks like. Um, if, if you're asking this question in 2019, I don't think we get it back in 2019. I think that the question is, will we be getting news in the future through our contact lenses? Will we be getting news through you know some kind of new format? In mm-hmm. in a way in which that people's consumer behavior changes in in some way that brings us all into a larger conversation, um, I think. But I absolutely think there will still be the left and the right, or some version of it, and there will absolutely still be divides within a community. I mean, what makes and that's
0: and that's and that's, of, and that's perfectly fine course, and healthy. Yeah, absolutely, of course. Yeah. That's but what you makes... have to be all dealing from the same set of facts, right? In order for it to be, in order to make progress, yes. So that's that's the real that's the real uh, issue. What do you think? <laughs> I, I I'm I'm optimist. I'm an optimist. I'm an optimist like you. But at the same time, I don't I don't see this problem going away in the near future. I would agree. It's gonna with take that. a couple of years. And 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 then what? I, well, then my main concern though is even if we even if we feel like we've gotten to a point where that we're all dealing from the same set of facts, I worry: Are we really, or are those people just kind of burrowed underground mm-hmm. because? those beliefs are not, you know, considered, uh, commonplace or acceptable or, and I think, you know, and that, and that, and I think that's what happens, um, mm-hmm. you know, as, as these things kind of shift in the, in, in, in the public kind of square. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I feel like in a way it's almost better if those types of things are buried, um, to a certain extent, you know, you, you have to be aware that they exist, but as long if they're not getting oxygen, then that's certainly uh, that's okay with me. <laughs> um, so let me let let's 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 shift gears again in terms of because you just started your consulting business, mm-hmm. and I want to talk a bit about that. I want to talk about um, you know what what exactly like who who you're working with and like and and maybe uh, you can give us a kind of uh, high level overview on some of the projects you're working on. But also if if they if they, I want to ask. Uh, if a company came to you and said, you know, let, let's say you know a couple couple people are starting a new media company, they they've been in the business but they've never started their own business their own media company before. They have a bunch of ideas in terms of how they want to approach it. What would you say need that they need to do? What are the steps they need to take? What are the things they need to do uh, in order to 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 find success? Um, In in this in this time.
1: I would say create an Instagram account (laughs) and start posting. Um, I think that one of my big uh one of my big beliefs, and I've always believed this, and I have felt this when I've worked in house set brands, and also it's it's sort of the underlying premise of my business, is that you don't need to be everywhere. You need to be everywhere that matters. Right. And I think a lot of what we've seen over the last 10 years in media is this just uh The thin, thin presences of brands on, you know, whether it's uh, YouTube or whether it's Facebook or whether it's Twitter or Instagram or Snap or anything like that. Everybody believes that they have to be everywhere, and as a result of that, we're not doing things well yeah. anywhere.
0: Right? Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I've, I've subscribed to the same belief for. So many years.
1: I'm a very big believer in the idea that your community is everything engagement is everything that two-way dialogue and so wherever you can build that community that's where you start and who knows what it'll be in five years right or right. who knows what it'll be in two years um but i i think that that's uh that's the number one thing i would say is start there
0: yeah and i i mean and 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 if you are if you have a brand that already has an existing following i think you know I, it's also safe to say you you can't you may want to expand to other platforms, but you absolutely have to be where your audience already is. Yes. Um,
1: well, and yeah. to your earlier point, that was Facebook. Right. Right? Years ago when, when we were discussing Instant Articles, that was instant Facebook. Articles, that's right. where the audience was. So, yeah. so that's the predicament, right? How do you walk away from where the audience is?
0: Yeah, I, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very tough question. Uh, and 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 obviously there are a lot of factors that go into it, and I think you know what ultimately what's 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 gonna happen. You know, you I, I the way I look at it is there there is a problem when you're not driving people to your brand or your site, mm-hmm. uh, and you're overly. I don't want to say you're. I don't want to use the word just reliant, but you're overly reliant on a third party mm-hmm. uh, as a way to uh get eyes on, mm-hmm. on your content mm-hmm. um and 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 instant articles you know were, were were nice in the sense that they made it easy to read content directly on Facebook but at the end of the day who is that really benefiting um the ad rates were were much lower than 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 people needed them to be and it, it, it's kind of like it's like, it's like the trade off it's like and I and I even thought this at the time so it's like would you rather trade, um, you know, what are what are the what's kind of the opportunity cost? I guess if you if you're not if you don't have a super fast instant article, uh, but it's fast enough that people won't close the, the the page. Why are you why are you switching to an instant article? Because um, then you're at least getting them on on your actual platform. Mm-hmm. But that—that's just my opinion. Because
1: <laughs> everyone else is doing it,
0: right? Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I, sometimes you know, just to, to stand out. I mean, uh, and not do what what the what what peer companies are doing. It's it's tough, and you know, feel you feel like, and I understand this. You feel like you're leaving money on the table. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, the New York Times did this at some point with instant articles. I don't remember the exact timeline, but there was a period of time in which they were not involved. Right, and... yeah, I
0: remember that. Yeah, I, I it's it's definitely a tough thing to to kind of wrap your head around, especially in the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I and I I understand that, and I think like you know you got to make mistakes, and and you're gonna, but as ultimately, if you learn from those mistakes, that's that's all it's that everything. really matters. Yeah, right. So so one of the other things, so so aside from Instagram and 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 being where your uh, your audience is. Uh, even even if you're even if you're a brand new uh media company and you and you're launching something new, you have an idea of who your audience is right mm-hmm. to be, to begin with and that you should at least right so identifying where they are mm-hmm. um is important what are what are there, what are some of the other tips or things that you would that you would look for
1: being authentic that's my number one thing it's so important because uh ross martin uh who's the ceo of a company called Blackbird has been talking about how there's no neutral anymore. People want brands that stand for things. Mm-hmm. People want people who stand for things. And we've seen this really in the last year, Kepner, right? Nike. Yeah, Right, in the last year. And so I, I think that it's authenticity and it's this belief that you are what you say right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you are who people think you are. I think that's important. Um, ultimately, values could be on a wall, but at the end of the day, they're who you hire, who you fire and who you promote, mm-hmm. right? It's really about the actions that you take. And so I think that 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 authenticity is something that people are cherishing now.
0: Yeah, I I'd agree. I, I think uh, what I just saw this, I saw this tweet, I didn't actually go through to the article, but which is which is bad. Is which what, we, is were what we were talking about. Which just right? what we were talking about, Exactly. Um, but this this guy who after the whole Colin Kaepernick Nike thing, he he re- he had a sports store. He removed all of Nike's equipment from his store. And now he's going out of business. So mm-hmm. he was being authentic in in his mm-hmm. own way, but it it did backfire for mm-hmm. him. Um, now this was just a tweet. I don't know if there's actually any truth to this or if there's just some story someone made up. But I should have to I should go back and take a look. Yeah. But 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 but. My point was is that you know authenticity is good, uh, and I think and you know but make sure that people like actually want to like buy into what you're being authentic about, like yes. what you're talking about, you know. Well,
1: and if you're going where your audience is, that's assuming you have an audience, right? Right, right? exactly.
0: So maybe yeah, he obviously had no audience, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so speaking of so building, speaking of building an, uh, an audience, um, any other? What are some of the keys in terms of? Aside from authenticity, and obviously being where you know having an Instagram account or being where um, your audience is, I guess wh- why Instagram for you? Like, what mm-hmm. what are some of the big draws there?
1: For me, it's that first of all, everyone's there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Second of all, it is increasingly where people are getting their news. And where people are getting their advertising, so you think and so you think it,
0: it has replaced the Facebook newsfeed?
1: No, not necessarily okay. um I think that uh, there's different uses, and okay. I think it also depends on what generation you are um I think that there is i mean certainly with stories, there has been this rise in in rapid consumption of information and i think that this feeling of real-time connection to other people is something that people really value
0: okay that makes sense i think i I think that's i think that's right i i i i I wonder though like how how instagram um versus other i mean because like I I I'm on I I go on Instagram all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I it's one of my favorite platforms um that I just like seeing my friends are posting and things like that. I I wonder and I worry sometimes that Instagram has become too advertiser centric cuz like every 5 posts is like an ad now. I do you, do you have any thoughts like is that is that impeding the like Instagram especially for like younger people?
1: I think people are actually receptive to advertising.
0: If it's good. If it's good, absolutely. And I think Um, the Instagram ads are actually pretty good. Right,
1: and that's the reality, is that if they're introducing you to a new product that you have kind of been following, or you've heard of, or something like that, it might be worth it to you. And so I think, I mean, we're seeing this on every platform, right, where there's an ad interjected every few posts Mm -hmm. or something like that. So that's the business model, and, and I think that companies like away uh the luggage brand Mm -hmm. uh i think they probably grew a ton off of instagram uh both organic and off of ads um and there there are all those companies where you're like you always see this ad yeah um and so I, i think it's i think it's a platform where People feel the advertising, you know, whether they feel it's creepy or not, the advertising is so directly connected to their interests that it may be relevant to them.
0: Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to be completely honest here. I've scrolled through Instagram and I've like I've liked uh, ads without knowing they were ads until I saw that it said sponsored on it. Exactly. Because I thought it was a cool picture.
1: Exactly. And people and brands and people have been pushed to be more innovative in what they create. Mm hmm right which is good
0: i think i think that's great
1: i think of it as thumb stopping Mm -hmm. creative so when you think about going through the feed there's that um the just sort of the big thumb swipe and the big thumb swipe and the big thumb swipe what is going to make your thumb stop right on something is it a person you know or is it a brand that is blowing you away
0: yeah yeah good point I I want to last thing last question I want to talk about before we get to lightning round, which I know you're excited about, Very. and I am too. Um, what are some of the metrics that we should be looking at as as as, as either a brand or a media company um, on these different platforms? What are what What are some metrics that we need to look at um, as content creators in general uh, to make sure that our 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 stuff is resonating and that it's working?
1: I think it's all about engagement. I mean, it's interesting when we think about companies that are not multi-billion dollar companies and companies that might not necessarily have mass scale, I think about something like the infatuation, which from what I have read, it is doing quite well financially and also has a really dedicated and loyal audience. And I think one of the things I would say is that a few years ago, we were all talking about the demise of the homepage and right. how nobody visits websites directly anymore. And so I think that the, the question is though, a lot of consumer behavior has changed over the last few years so that people actually are because they want to control what comes to them. Yeah. They want to control what they see. Uh, a lot of this is around newsletters, right? People have been talking about the rise of newsletters for years. Yeah. And, <laughs> for as
0: long as I can remember.
1: Right. And, and to me, I mean, I've always said that um, inviting someone into your inbox is like inviting someone into your home. Yeah. It's, it's why, sacred. Yeah. right? It's why we get so mad when all of a sudden we're signed up for these email <laughs> lists that we never signed up for. Right. Um there's that intimacy. And so I think that people are looking for organizations, people, outlets, brands to to feel that connection with, and I think it is all about engagement. And I think a lot of it is also feedback. I mean, I think brands and people should absolutely be reading The comments of whether it's their Instagram or wherever they are, uh, the feedback that they're getting, what's missing and what does their audience want to hear?
0: So so is is uh, is the page view dead to you? In terms of in terms of the meaningfulness of it,
1: it's a good question. No, because the business model is still operating around it. Mm -hmm. So I don't think anything is dead until the business model changes. Um, Should it change? Um yes and i think in some ways it has in that a brand like the infatuation is an advertiser's go-to uh for the right advertiser um but i don't know what's going to replace it just yet because i think one of the things that everyone has become very disillusioned by is oh we have 50 billion video views a month or we we reach 50 million people across social platforms it's like everyone knows you, you don't really. Like <laughs> right. you, you may have the potential to reach all of those people, but with every post, you're not reaching every single one of those people.
0: Right, uh, Brian Morrissey uh, from DigiDay. Yeah. I don't know if you saw his tweet yesterday. He said he was at, he was at one of their events, the DigiDay events, and um, I think Vice was, was, was talking, someone from Vice, and they said they, I don't remember the exact number. I feel like they said it was like 200 million people that they're reaching. And, he, and I the way he phrased the tweet he's like I don't I don't think I believe this <laughs> um so, so you can come he's like I, I think he was something along the line something along the lines of I want to see what the math was <laughs> behind coming up with that that, that figure um but yeah I I, I, I I wholeheartedly agree and I think one of the tough things when it came to the page you I know mean, why I before you know before um well one of the reasons why it's become such so much uh of the kind of the fact the facto kind of metric that was used for a very long time. uh, And this is just my belief, having built an analytics company and having focused on this stuff for a long time, is that a page view on one analytics platform is the page view, the same page view on another analytics platform. So on Google or, or Kaya Mm -hmm. or which is what I built, which I'm no longer working on, but, or, or Parsley or Chartbeat, is there. It's all the same. It's all one. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to kind of get consensus Mm -hmm. that that actually happened. Whereas these independent kind of engagement metrics mm-hmm. that are uh, derived usually in-house at analytics companies are different across mm-hmm. the board. There's no, there's no consensus there. Mm-hmm. So who do you believe? Yeah. So that's just my two cents. That's a great question. <laughs> so you've made it through the, uh, the, 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 the main part. <laughs> Very relieved. Me too. I'm glad. I'm glad you're relieved. I think it went really well. Um, so now we're going to move to lightning Around, which of course is supported by Wix. You can uh, create a your own personal website today at wix.com. That's w-i-x.com. So whenever you're ready, Cal, you let me know, and we'll get started. I'm ready. All right, here we go. I think I know the answer to this first question. In fact, I know I know the answer, but. If no one followed if this if this, someone's listening who hasn't followed you, I know the they, question, <laughs> yeah um diet Coke or diet Pepsi
1: diet Coke <laughs> no question.
0: What's your cure for hiccups?
1: I have been having the hiccups a lot recently um, mm-hmm. I have been relying on my boyfriend to scare me um, <laughs> but also trying to ignore them I have found that that once I try to put my mind on something else uh, it it often helps but when I was growing up it was the drink water upside down method
0: yeah that my wife uh, was telling me that like many years ago before we were married and I'm like I don't understand what do you what do you mean drink it upside down like how does that work
1: yeah it's very confusing <laughs>
0: Uh whenever I get them recently I've been trying peanut butter. Seems mm. to work for me.
1: Interesting. Just like a spoonful? Yeah,
0: yeah. Just like a spoonful of mm. peanut butter. Okay. Try it next time. I'm Let me know. I'm going to. I'm going to. <laughs> last place you traveled to?
1: Um uh, Santa Barbara.
0: What for? Oh actually that's Without not anything true. Fun? That's not true. Um <laughs>
1: the last place I traveled to was uh St. Petersburg, Florida. Okay. For the Pointer National Advisory Board. Cool. Trip. So that was for some work, uh, and the place before that was LA to visit my family and Santa Barbara for a nice little vacation.
0: Vacations are nice. Yes, can't go wrong with those. Exactly. All right, this one's going to be tough, I think, but maybe, maybe not. Favorite news website.
1: Mm. And and you mean website as opposed to outlet? Yeah. So you mean like design and organization of it, layout, etc.?
0: Any, any place where you get your news. Favorite, favorite news website. Could be could be an outlet. could be just a site where it aggregates. It could be anything.
1: Mm. Um, I would say New York Times, Washington Post, and Time are like my top three.
0: Cool. Last one. All right. This, one, this one's a good one. If someone made a movie of your life, would it be a drama, comedy, rom-com, action film, or science fiction?
1: Rom-com and, com- <laughs> and comedy.
0: I think that would probably be mine too. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love to say it would be an action film, but it just it oh, wouldn't no. it wouldn't be. No, no, It'd be I a watch, lot of me sitting around. I on watch the
1: way too much TV <laughs> and do way too much typing for it to be an action compu- action movie. All
0: right, so it, uh, well, it's been great having you on. I really Thanks appreciate you stopping me. by and. Coming to the anchor studio with me it's been uh, this has been really cool If anyone wants to get in touch with you though after listening to this, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Um, probably send me a direct message on Twitter so my handle is at c s c h w e i t z um as in c schweitz which is the first letter of my first name and then my half of my last name <laughs> um so c s c h w e i t z that's my handle across all platforms so look for me anywhere and just send me a message love to hear from you
0: cool and we'll uh, we'll obviously link to that when we put up the, the the show on the website so people will be able to click that if they don't want to have to type it out, Perfect. you know, if you're lazy and stuff. Like Perfect. Me. <laughs> well, it's been great having you on. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, thanks so for joining for me. me, Jeff. Thanks for listening to Techie Bites. Stay tuned for more episodes every Tuesday with awesome interviews and conversations about technology and business. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting the podcast at anchor.fm slash besttechie and or by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Both ways help us greatly and are much appreciated. So thank you. Until next time, we'll see you. And remember, remember, take care of your computers.